This is Recovery Collective with Tom Liu. Tom and his collective of guest contributors, callers, authors, speakers, and artists talk shift to educate and empower about recovery in its many forms to overcome and rise above the AVDCs, the addictions, vices, devices, distractions, or compulsions that may ail you or someone you know. Visit us online at recoverycollective.net and on Instagram at recovery underscore collective. This is Kevin Polsey, founder of Shatter Our Silence and KP Council. You're listening to Recovery Collective with my lifelong friend, Tom Luke. My situation wasn't alcohol or traditional drugs. It was more tied to this lifestyle. So it was never enough. You know, it was never good enough. I was afraid of stopping, even though I knew I should, because I was afraid of who was I going to be if I did stop. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the show where we bring together and connect a collective of experts, advocates, movers, and shifters, I call them, and you, our listeners, who dare to get up, stand up, and get down to the business at hand, which is to lend a helping hand to those still struggling with any kind of self-defeating behavior by letting your voice be heard as we together talk shift talk shift, there you go, about recovery in its many forms, and most importantly, share insights and solutions to help others overcome and rise above what I call the AVDCs, and those are the addictions, vices, devices, distractions, or compulsions that may ail you or someone that you know. That's what I'm about, and that's what this show is about. So be sure to check out all of our show's past podcast episodes. They're out online for your ease of listening whenever it's convenient for you because we are in the convenience business here at the Recovery Collective Show. You can head on out to our website, recoverycollective.net, or you can head on out to the big names in audio and podcasting and all that. The guys like the iTunes and the gals over at iHeartRadio and tune in radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, just about anywhere you choose to listen to on-demand audio. We are out there. All of our past episodes are out there. We've just had a great start to the show. Excellent guests have been on the show. I just want to encourage you to head on out to that website that I just mentioned, recoverycollective.net, and there you can find our past podcast episodes, especially episode number one. I want to direct your attention to that one. That was where I gave an overview and um, just the grand scheme of things here as far as what this show is, what it's about. I gave you the quick on it right there as we started this particular episode. But just another just another summary here. Who am I? What am I doing? Again, my name is Tom Liu, and I'm a professional speaker. I'm a coach. I'm a photographer. I've worked in education for many years. I've got a background in psychology, and I'm very passionate about this subject of recovery, which is admittedly a huge, huge subject. And the guests that I bring on the show, we talk about any number, any variety of, again, what I call the AVDCs, addictions, vices, devices, distractions, or compulsions that may ail you or someone you know. Things like drugs and alcohol abuse, obviously, right? Things like uh, depression, mental health issues, eating disorders, gambling, sex addiction, shopping, you name it. We either have already talked about it or we're going to be talking about it again as a collective, meaning a group. It's not just me, but it's my guests. Every week, I like to say that my guest is my co-host. And so I appreciate you listening to this show. The purpose of the show, folks, is designed, it's to be up. It's to be positive. It's to be powerful. It's to be good. It's not doom. 
It's not gloom, but it's the boom, as you heard from our show intro there. This stuff needs to be talked about, and I'm here to help reduce the stigma, not only about addiction. I think we can all agree that addiction stinks. Addiction in any form stinks, and it has a stigma to it, but In my experience, over 15 years now of myself in recovery from alcoholism, recovery has a stigma to it as well. And if you're listening to this right now and you're in long-term recovery or short-term recovery, wherever you are on the continuum, you may have experienced this yourself. You may understand what I'm saying. And I'm here to say we can reduce the stigma in and around recovery because recovery is awesome. It's cool. It's not what I thought it was when I first went to my very first AA meeting back in December of 2002. It's not this life that I was just destined for despair and gloom and boredom and all this horrible stuff that I thought in my head that it really was. It's not that. In fact, it was so far different than that. I'm still, 15 years later, my mind is blown. So my guests, myself, sharing our experience strength and hope to get the word out there and to to give you some different perspectives on what this looks like because if it's you or someone you know who might be struggling with this we want to let you know you're not alone you don't have to suffer in silence the worst thing you can do is be alone in this stuff how do I know because that's what I did I was there and I'm here to tell you that that's not the way to go so if you're listening right now or you know someone that should be listening to this give them a call tell them to tune in finally shoot me an email the email I have set up specifically specifically for this show it's Tom at recoverycollective.net. Connect with me across all social media at Tom Liu. And so there you go. That's what we're doing here on the show. It's a powerful, powerful thing. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I've worked in media, TV, and radio hosting uh, shows for many years, going all the way back to the early 2000s. And I got down to the Clearwater, Tampa area in January of this year. And it was my goal and my desire and my heart to do a recovery show. And that's what this is. And so again, the purpose, it's up, it's positive. And I want to shine a light on it. And I want to let anyone know listening that if you're struggling, you don't have to stay there. If you're struggling, there are solutions. If you're struggling, you're not the only one. There are people and want to bring you all together and bring us all together and talk about it because it can be overcome. That's the message. That's good stuff. That's what the show is. And so I'm so glad that you are tuned in. Listening to don't go away. Collective with Tom Liu. Get involved in the conversation with questions or comments by calling us toll free at 866-826-1340 and on Instagram at recovery underscore collective. This portion of the show is brought to you by 16 Imaging Photography. Visit us at 16imaging.com. That's 16imaging.com for fine art prints, to book shoots, and to schedule one-on-one photography coaching for you or someone you know. 16 Imaging. Seeing things literally through lenses, figuratively, despite filters. Sober Evolution is the recovery space created by the internationally recognized life-building coach, Austin F. Cooper, and a proud sponsor of Recovery Collective. You can find Sober Evolution on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and at Sober-Evolution.com. This world-renowned organization is filled with experience, strength, and hope for those who are looking to build their lives in recovery and smash the stigmas surrounding addiction. Sober Evolution also organizes and hosts exciting, one-of-a-kind events supporting the world of recovery throughout the nation. Don't hesitate to reach out and find out more about Sober Evolution at Sober-Evolution.com. 
We're back to Recovery Collective with Tom Liu. Get involved in the conversation with questions or comments by calling us toll-free at 866-826-1340. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tomleu2. That's T-O-M-L-E-U and the number two. Here's Tom. All right, welcome back to Recovery Collective. I'm Tom Luth. Head on out to recoverycollective.net. Our past episodes are there. Some great, great stuff. The first episode was an overview and an introduction by me. We had Austin Cooper from Sober Evolution on a few weeks ago. Author Kristen Casey, author of a great book called Rock Monster, My Life with Joel Walsh, uh, was also on. And last week, Tawny Lara, founder of a great organization called Sobriety Party, was on. These people together have an an immense amount of knowledge around this subject matter of recovery in all of its various forms. And so I just really encourage you to head on out and listen to that. Send it to people, email it, you know, with today's day and age with phones and cell phone and social media sharing has never been easier. Send somebody a link, text them, whatever. They can listen to it when they're in the car, working out, walking the dog, whatever it is. That's the idea. My guest this week, his name is Kevin Polkey. Kevin is a licensed clinical social worker, certified alcohol and drug counselor, Certified school social worker, executive coach, former football and strength coach, and personal trainer. Kevin has worked with individuals, families, and organizations in areas of Illinois and Wisconsin. Kevin also facilitates men's groups, conducts workshops and seminars, and serves as a consultant to businesses, schools, and churches. In 2016, Kevin founded an organization called Shatter Our Silence. It's a nonprofit company to increase awareness and educate on the factors that lead to suicide in young adults. Kevin volunteers at local schools and churches, teaching youth and adult classes on a variety of psychosocial spiritual material. He's active on a variety of not-for-profit board of directors for local agencies. And in addition to all of that, he also happens to be one of my oldest and dearest friends. I'd like to welcome to the Recovery Collective Show, Mr. Kevin Polkey. Kevin, are you there? Yeah, definitely, Tom. How are you? How you doing, buddy? Good to hear your voice. How's it going? It's uh, beautiful where I'm at right now. And uh, and uh, enjoy getting ready to have a conversation with you. I appreciate you calling in and talking with me. You and I go way back. I know you're actually. I'm just going to throw it out there. I know you're actually on a little vacation right now, but you're a tireless guy. You have a work ethic pretty much unparalleled, maybe only next to mine, because I think we're both crazy like that. We work all the time, but uh, you're actually on vacation. You're calling into the Recovery Collective show, and I so appreciate you doing that. You and I go way, way back, as I mentioned in your um, introduction there, and uh, the work that you're doing is so important, and I just wanted to have you on the show, talk to you, let our listeners down here in Florida kind of hear the journey about where you've come from, you know, personally with your own personal recovery journey, and on into Shatter Our Silence, and you got some events coming up with that that I get to be a part of as well again and all the great stuff that you're doing and so you're a great person to have on this show Kevin because again we talk about recovery in its many forms and I know you've had a chance to listen to some of our previous episodes already let's start with this Kevin so you're a social worker you're you're a chemical dependency counselor and you founded Shatter Our Silence we want to get into all that but you know going back a little bit here uh, just for you personally just so listeners can understand I found Kevin and I know you do too I'm sure of it with your counseling practice and all that you know empathy is a huge thing we like to hear from other people who maybe have that been there done that more or less and i think when we feel that kind of connection with other people i think it 
softens the ground, if you will, opens the doors to listening, right? And taking what someone's going to say maybe a little bit more seriously and stuff. So give us a little bit about your background as far as, you know, your recovery journey before you got into your professional career and all the things you did. You were a former bodybuilder, very successful at that, right? I was uh, very fortunate that I I started working out and lifting weights for actually football and wrestling at that time in middle school where actually we played football together and then in high school. But I was fortunate to be around uh, some individuals at that time in the northern Illinois area that were some top bodybuilders in the country. They took me under their wing, and I started competing at the age of 15. And uh, was fortunate enough to win the Teenage Mr. Illinois at 17, and then the Mr. USA, Teenage Mr. USA at 18, and then another uh, regional show called the Gateway Open, and then competed in the Nationals when I was 19. Continued to compete all through college. And then things uh, took a different turn in, in 1990, and then I stopped competing in September of 90. Yeah, very successful. I, and I remember because, again, you and I, uh, we met in middle school. We went through middle school together, high school together. We were in college together. We lived together for a couple of years with some other guys back in those days. And I can attest to the the amount of work and the dedication that you put in as a bodybuilder back then. I mean, it was you were all about it. And so, you know, just getting into it here, you said, things took a turn around about 1990. Can you give us the kind of the overview? Where did you get tripped up with all of this? Where did you struggle, you know, in in terms of addiction, abuse, recovery, and all of that in your younger days that I think colored, you know, kind of the career path that you eventually took? For me, it was a little bit different. My whole thing, again, starting my journey, starting in middle school um, with the whole aspect of uh, I didn't know, of course, any of this back then, but it was this idea that sports allowed me to be visible, to be noticed, and and there I was able to get some initial success and some uh, some popularity, um, and that then became part of how I thought was my uh, secret sauce was the work ethic and the working out, and that itself, along with um, this desire to want to make it, as they would say. Um, drove me, um, you know, drove me to, you know, go into some extreme diets and extreme workouts um, during that time period. I knew probably after after winning, you know, not knowing for sure, you know, in 1987 when I missed it, won the Mr. USA, just hoping to go down a place, but then, you know, coming back with the overall trophy and the whole magazines and ESPN and all that type of stuff. Things uh, I was 18 years old and I didn't really know how to handle that kind of attention or that type of success. I didn't want to exchange it, but I didn't know how to really handle it. And the desire to not lose it kept driving me for that next show. And then when I was in the Nationals in 88, got sick, that was probably the first time that I experienced um, that darkness of, um, of a lostness of, of you know, losing that type of show, and especially when I was favored to win the show. And, um, and that, that was pretty devastating. And at the time, I didn't know how to talk about anything. I just kept it inside and then, you know, showed up at the gym on Monday and was trained for another show. Just kept on going, kept on trying to get, you know, now looking at it, another piece of plastic, um, another title. And that's what was really the driving factor. I mean, I still was doing school. I was still doing all the things on the outside. But on the inside, there was this lot of internal pressure. And then that, along with... Um, what now I know is called body dysmorphia. Hmm. Um, I had body image uh, disorder. 
So uh, this distortion of what I saw in the mirror was not what other people saw. So Back then, when you looked in the mirror and you said what you saw wasn't what other people saw, what did you see? How was it different? What was, I mean, it was not good enough or what? What was your perception of you and your body at that time? Essentially, it wasn't, uh, I either wasn't, arms weren't big enough, chest wasn't big enough, wasn't lean enough, body fat wasn't low enough. So it was never enough. You know, it was never good enough. And it, and what I saw in the mirror, even though they may have physically been measured around at almost 20 inch arms, what I saw in the mirror looked like the, the middle school arms. They were, looked like they were 15 inch arms. And even though rationally I knew that that may not be true, for whatever reason, um, because they didn't look like I did when I was competing, it didn't look like um, in the off season when you start gaining, you know, gaining water weight back and gaining uh, body fat back, you don't look the same. And that messed with my thinking, messed with my perception, and uh, I got me on this vicious cycle. And I knew that my career was coming to an end um, because I was, it was trying too hard. I was way out of sync with everything that was going on. But my biggest fear was stopping. Even though, uh, you know, everything that was going on with all the different crazy things that we would do, uh, performance enhancement, you know, different aspects of things, and I was starting to have some health issues and different things like that, I was afraid of stopping, even though I knew I should, because I was afraid of who was I going to be if I did stop. So... We're talking about identity here. I'm hearing that as you're talking. And, and, and whether a person, I think, is struggling with what you were struggling with as a, as a competing athlete, in this case, a, a bodybuilder, very successful at a young age, extreme dieting and other things that you were doing and using to achieve that. But identity, talk about that for a second, Kevin. It's Kevin Polkey, licensed social worker, certified alcohol and drug counselor and founder of Shatter Our Silence here on Recovery Collective. When we're talking about, you know, addiction, abuse, any type of, again, what I call the AVDCs, and for purposes of this show, any addiction, vice, device, distraction, or compulsion, and it sounds like I think we could say that you definitely demonstrated compulsive type of behaviors, if nothing else. How important is identity, a person's identity wrapped up in it? Because for me, you know, when I was drinking and, and you knew me back in many of those years, uh, that's all I knew. Uh, I was a guy that I was in bands and I was a rock dude and I, I drank and I partied and I went to bars and I hung with the guys and the gals and I did all the stuff that you can imagine, stereotypes that go with that vision. That was all true. That's all I knew. And so the idea that I wouldn't do that anymore, that fractured my identity. So back to your story and your identity as a bodybuilder and all of that, how important, what does that look like for people when they're in the throes in these dark places when it, as it relates to identity and whatever it is that they're struggling with? And I think for me, that aspect of how I perceived I was known for was my athletic, athletic ability, either playing sports earlier on. And then when I stopped playing sports then, or continue to play sports, but primarily focused on bodybuilding, that was how I saw, I perceived that people saw me only from that way. Yeah, I, I had jobs and I worked. And yeah, I graduated from college and I did all those things. But I felt that I was known for uh, who I was as a person was an extension of this particular sport uh, of bodybuilding. And then, of course, competing was confirmation or validation of that. And then all the things that went along with that. I mean, you know, the trophies are one thing, but all the pictures in the press and, and, you know, the people coming up to you, after all that type of stuff was in itself intoxicating. But 
again, as we would say, we almost all the competitions are on Saturday night, and then you know, the show is over, and, and then Sunday happens, and then Monday you're starting back all over again. And it was just a yo-yo cycle of not just dieting, but these emotional roller coasters. And if you did win, you're on top of it, but then it was over on Monday. So that wrapped up with all the different perceptions that I saw or distortions I saw when I looked in the mirror or how close fit I me, or all those types of things just got me in this, this vicious cycle. Um, and, and again, I came into that probably even before, even before I started lifting weights the very first time of not wanting to be overweight not wanting to, have, you know, to be obese and those types of things. But that, it just went to a whole other, whole different level when I was competing. It's interesting because because I think that a lot of times, you know, maybe all the time, it's not really about the, the behavior, the activity, or the substance, or whatever it is. Uh, there means to an end, you know, for me, the, the, the alcohol, in my case, and the drugs were a way to make me feel different about me. But I didn't really know that at the time. I knew they made me feel different, and I liked what I got from it. And I talk about, you know, the three stages of, of for me, the three stages of partying. Stage one, all fun. Stage two, fun with consequences. Stage three, all consequences. And that's where I got. And it was only when I got to that dark time that I started to really look at this and go, wait a minute, what's going on here? What, this isn't what it was back, quote, in the day. So for you, Kevin, when you got to that dark time, how did you, again, I know we're condensing a number of years here into a short amount of time, but for purposes of the show here, where was the turning point for you and how did you get on the road out of this and on a path of healing and recovery? A lot of times when we talk about there's some type of, and you can have a variety of different words, uh, call it hitting a bottom, we call it the dark night of the soul, or you know going into that verbal, going into the woods or the crucible. And, and for me, that was when I knew competing was done. I, 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 I was done competing. I was no longer going to do that. But I didn't know who I was going to be. And so it was, a, it was a couple years of pretty dark, and I was pretty angry about what was going on. I was pretty lost. But more importantly, I didn't know how to express that. So I was suppress all those thoughts and feelings. And, and then for whatever, and I usually never saw myself as that angry person, but anger would come out sideways. And, um, and I tried, you know, okay, maybe because anabolic steroids and performance enhancement uh, substances were used, maybe I need to go to NA because I was already starting to counsel because my grade was in psychology. And, um, so I went to N.A., but back then in 1990, in the N.A. community that I was involved with, intermuscular injectable drugs were not seen as fluid enhancement. Mm. And um, so I, even though I totally, totally got the 12 steps, it's very much, I understood the 12 steps and the principles. They were very much had, a, for me, a Christian spirituality journey, and that made sense to me. Um, but for whatever reason, I didn't feel like it really clicked. And then I, in 92... I discovered, well, actually in 91, I started getting more involved with Native American spirituality. And then in 92, I did, um, attended some men's groups. And so those were gender-specific um, gatherings of men where we would start learning, um, learn how to express your feelings, um, express the male motor feelings. That was, for me, immediately I felt at home, felt at a place. A lot of the individuals that were there, um, they... Uh, were in the 12 steps. They were in AA. They were in recovery. Um, they've been sober from different years. Um, we used a lot of experiential therapies at that time. But it was a matter of trying to discover my own voice and my authentic self or my true self. And that was really what that journey was all about. And um, it was definitely a place where 
it uh, changed my life, and that's why I continue doing that. That's one part of my of my practice that I continue to do, and continue to um, you know run three men's groups still, uh, still involved with different weekend retreats and different aspects of that. It's a fascinating story. We're talking with Kevin Polkey, he's a licensed social worker and counselor, founder of an organization called Shatter Our Silence, a suicide awareness prevention not-for-profit that we're going to talk about in a second. Kevin, let me ask you this question. I, I'm of the opinion here uh, on this show, and, I, and I've talked about it a lot as I introduced the show, I don't believe there's just one way to recovery. It's my personal um, belief, and I know that not everyone agrees with that. I went through the 12 steps, you referenced that, and you talked about maybe beginning with NA, but then you went another way and you found a, a modality, if you will, that spoke to you and worked for you and, and maybe some combination and other people I've talked to a lot of people. There are some combinations of things. But back in 2002, when I was at my low point, um, the only thing I really knew to do was, was Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's what I elected to do. And I'm so grateful for that. And I spent a decade, a solid decade in AA uh, in Rockford, Illinois, some of the greatest people and the greatest meetings in the world there. And I've been to uh, meetings all over the country at this point. And so I'm grateful that it was there and that those folks were there. And some of those people, some of my best friends still to this day, I'll always support AA and its principles and its rituals. But I also realize that it's not for everyone. And I understand some of the pitfalls therein. And I understand why it doesn't connect with everyone. And I'm here to say, you know, if it doesn't, that's okay. But there are other ways, there are other paths to recovery. There are, especially today with the internet, which we didn't have, we had the internet in 2002, but we certainly didn't have social media. And I just wasn't aware. Today, there's so many things. Are you of the mindset, Kevin, that there are different paths that people can go as long as, you know, it's not harming themselves or anyone else and positive recovery is resulting from it? It's hard for me to even comprehend the idea that one, one size fits all, right? Right. And I think the, the concepts and the principles of what the AA, um, of the 12 steps, I think they're a phenomenal tool, and, and definitely it's the right thing for certain people to do that. And I think everyone could probably benefit from those principles and steps. But anytime you get people and their personalities, um, there there's going to be conflict at times. There's going to be disagreement. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, unfortunately, uh, an aspect of legalism mm-hmm. that comes into that. And, and I know even though that we talk about uh, principles over personality, that's sometimes hard. And so I think there's opportunity for other, other paths to recovery. Everyone who compulsively uses substances doesn't necessarily mean that they're an addict or an alcoholic. Um, they just may need to have a different relationship with, with the substance. My situation wasn't uh, alcohol or traditional drugs. It was more tied into the lifestyle. Of bodybuilding and my whole box, I think you referenced someone just recently, a nail. Um, my nail that was in my head was this idea of having to prove myself and this idea of having to be, uh, if I didn't prove myself, if I didn't continue working, that I would become invisible again, like I thought I was earlier in my life. So, yeah, I think you have to find that path that works for you and then you have to work it. That's that's the key, no matter what it is. You work it, and then you may evolve out of that and have to discover, and you probably will have to discover another 
portion of your journey. Good distinction there. Absolutely. I agree with you fully on that. Uh, you, you and I have talked about a lot of things over the years, but we never actually talked about that. So that's why I wanted to ask you about it right here on the show. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. And, you know, for me, as I mentioned, 10 years in AA and uh, over five years ago now, I decided I needed to do something different that way. And I'm happy to report to the chagrin maybe of some of the legalists that you mentioned. Uh, there were a few that, you know, hadn't backslid and gone back to that lifestyle. I'm doing just fine, better than ever. As a matter of fact, I've discovered some other modalities that later on in my sobriety and in my the current years here uh, speak to me in a way that maybe they wouldn't have in the early days. And so, you know, I don't know how it would have gone otherwise. I just know what happened to me, like you know what happened to you, and maybe others listening right now know what their story is. I just want to encourage people to investigate prior to contempt, you know, give something a chance and try to understand what it is and, uh, and and do some research with the internet today. Again, there's so many places to go and things to look at and there's people out there ready and willing to listen and, and lend a helping hand. And so I, I appreciate that. And like you said too, a key thing, working it, it is work. It's not just showing up and doing nothing or just expecting some miracle to happen. There are things that have to be done. It's like anything, starting a business or you know, working out at the gym or a diet plan or a relationship with another person. That's tough. We got to work all of these things in order to get a result that you want and ongoing work. And I still, to this day, have to work at my recovery and, and my sobriety. It may look a little different today than it did in 2002, three, four, something like that, but it's still work nonetheless and stuff. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. It's Kevin Polkey, licensed social worker, alcohol and drug counselor. Kevin, I want to transition here in a few minutes that we have left with you. You founded an organization called Shatter Our Silence, which is a suicide awareness and prevention organization back in 2016. And it's a not-for-profit. You're doing a lot of work around that. And I want to get into just quickly, you know, how that came to be and then talk about the events. You've got some events coming up. You've had some that you're doing events all the time, which is great. But before I do that, I want to read something really quick here from the addictioncenter.com talking about some statistics. And again, these might vary here or there, but this particular site cites suicide, addiction, and depression have a very close relationship, which is why I wanted to talk with you today on the show, because talking about suicide and addiction in any form, they're not separate entities. They're related. More than 90%, it says, of people who fall victim to suicide suffer from depression, have a substance abuse disorder, or both, possibly. Depression and substance abuse combine to form a vicious cycle that all too often can lead to suicide. Many who experience such severe depression as a result of possibly either major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, or other conditions frequently turn to drugs, alcohol, gambling, possibly, or other risky behaviors to numb their pain and alleviate their negative feelings. And so there is a correlation, of course. And so I wanted to segue into Shatter Our Silence, this organization that you have. It's founded and based up in Rockford, Illinois, where you're from, and I'm from originally. How does Shatter Our Silence come to be, Kevin? And uh, why why did you begin this? My son, who graduated in 2014, uh, three of his classmates of only about 100 kids in a small private Christian school um, died as a result of suicide. And going to that third funeral, I knew, even though I'd been counseling for 26 years, I knew that I had to do something more. Gathered together some local, local individuals in the community and just kind of did a grassroots uh, initiative. And we thought it was just going to be like a one-and-done rally. To raise some awareness, and then because of all the attention that, that that day, that night got, we have now been, I've done over 150 talks in the last year and a half or so to local schools, colleges, um, churches, businesses, 
And we're talking everything about what are the risk factors the way to suicide, what are the warning signs, what can we do about it. And then um, we also talk about how to increase resiliency um, so that when you are in that darkness, when, when you do flip in that way or move it toward that darkness on that continuum, what things can you do to fall forward, to fail fail forward, that it doesn't have to be uh, end, end in the future. So that's, the, that's some, probably the main things that we are doing. Um, how do we get that message across of the prevalence of suicide? But more importantly, um, what things can we do to when a person's at risk? Um, what are those factors that cause them to be at risk? What are the warning signs that then what can we do to be a light in someone's darkness? You talk about the word resiliency a lot, and I, I love that word, and, and I think it's a great word. And you mentioned, you know, those are the things you're doing, all these talks and these seminars at schools and other places. For someone listening right now who may be in the throes of depression or some combination of that with substance use, abuse, maybe they won't call it addiction, maybe it's not, but maybe it's to a point where they know that there's something going on, or maybe it's someone that they know, family member, friend, whoever. What do you say to someone on this concept of resiliency? What can we do? What are some positive actions that can be taken uh, right now, right here for anyone to, as you say, you know, step forward, fail forward, move forward with it, and not make that permanent decision for temporary problems? I think the main piece is just what you just said, that it's a it's that darkness that we're in, when we're in that darkest of places, it's temporary. It's, it's not coming. We don't know how long it's going to be dark, but we know at some point it's going to it's going to break. After studying a lot of different individuals, talking to a lot of different individuals, most people are in that darkest of places. They don't want to necessarily die. They just want their pain to end. They want they want their darkness to to dissipate. And so what things can we do? Listening to their story, listen to where they're at, what's specifically going on is one piece. Talking to other people. Sooner or later, just keep on reaching out to people. And, you know, maybe the first person won't listen. Maybe the second person or the third person. You keep reaching out to someone until someone will listen. You know, we have suicide hotlines, suicide text lines. There are individuals out there that will listen to your story and then get you to that place to alleviate um, that pain that you're in. Because the lie that it tells us, the depression that you mentioned earlier, tells us that it's going to be all-consuming and it's never going to get better. And that's why suicide becomes an option. Uh, but that's not, that's a, that's a distortion. I like that word. It, it is a distortion. And when we're in the throes of any kind of existential crisis, we'll call it, right? Depression or yep. you're messed up on our consciousness is altered from drugs or alcohol or some other thing. We distort the reality. We exaggerate how bad something is. And let's face it, Kevin, on the other side, we'll exaggerate how good things are. We see people taking on risky behaviors and um, all kinds of things when they're high, when they're up, when they're feeling great, when they're 10 feet tall and, and bulletproof, so they say. I want to throw out that number, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, since we're talking with Kevin Polkey here founder of Shatter Our Silence, based at Rockford, Illinois. ShatterOurSilence.org is the website, ShatterOurSilence.org. I would encourage anyone listening to go on and check that out. And it doesn't matter where you live, anywhere in the world, uh, check out Shatter Our Silence. There's ways to get involved and, and support. There's fundraisers coming up that we're going to touch on in just a minute here in a few minutes that we have left. But the um, National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. One more time, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 800-273-8255. The key to this is talking to another person. I think this and anything, I'm not trying to oversimplify 
any of this. This is a big subject, complex, lots of facets to it, but it starts with talking. I think it's when we isolate, Kevin, and you can chime in on this, you know, when we isolate <laughs> is that when we get into, we can really get into trouble then, yeah? Well, my, my greatest pain that I've ever experienced was, was never physical. It was always between my ears. Um, it was always my thoughts that caught where, where, was where my demons lie. Um, and they, they lied to me while they were there. Um, you know, it, and, and then if somebody or something, or I had the courage to say something to someone, then my perceptions would change. Mm-hmm. And then I would have a glimmer of light, a glimmer of hope. And then I could hang on to that. And I knew that that's what happened when I was training back then. And I put all that energy into doing counseling. And now I'm putting that energy into this, this and other types of movements of, of how to, how to, um, people don't have to struggle. That people don't have to die in that darkness. Part of, you're going to struggle in the darkness. That's part of, of, of it. And that's okay. But you don't have to end your life prematurely because of the darkness. Absolutely. It's a choice and it might not seem like it sometimes, but just as I think using certain substances, um, in my view, and and choosing particular behaviors for whatever good reasons maybe we have or we think we have at the time, there's also a choice to do something different. There's also a choice that needs to be made at some point. Again, and not saying that it's always easy because it isn't, but a choice to reach out, to click on a link and go to a website, to send a text message, make a phone call, uh, call somebody, talk to anyone and push through that stigma that I don't want to talk about this. Because let's face it, these things are tough to talk about. These are tough subjects and it's in, it can be embarrassing. It can have possibly career ramifications and social status consequences and all of this stuff that I fully understand. And I know my guest here, Kevin Polkey, does as well, but it's that stuff. It's where life does begin again when you reach out because that's where, for me at least, Kevin, I started talking to people and I heard from other people that told versions of my story. And that's where, for me, the big breakthrough was. I didn't think, as simple as it sounds, I thought I was the only one who felt the way I felt, who was dealing with what I was dealing with. And when I heard other people telling my story, complete strangers, I was like, wow. That was the first time that I thought maybe there was a glimmer of hope, that maybe there's a, a, a way out of this, this hole I was in. What's your final message, Kevin? You mentioned the word struggling in our, in our last just couple minutes here. To those still struggling, whether it be with depression, mental health things related to depression and suicide or any kind of a addiction to a chemical, a behavior, a lifestyle, whatever it might be, to those still struggling, because this is a solution-based show, and I, I, we talk about the tough stuff, but I always like to end and keep it up on what can we do? How can we be more resilient, uh, using that word that you mentioned earlier? What's your message to those still struggling in any capacity? Well, I think that, that silence is based on our belief that we have shame over whatever behavior, whatever thing we've been doing or has been done to us or whatever it may be. And, and so that's why we go silent. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to look at it. But our greatest stories, the stories that are worth listening to and worth telling over and over again, come out of pain. You know, if they were just everything was good, they weren't really, those would not be great stories to tell. And so how can you create your own great story by going into your pain, going into that shame, and then you know, playing that dragon, and then being able uh, to have to be liberated from, to, to break those bonds, break those chains, or whatever. Um, there is people out there that want to help. There, there is hope out there. Um, we may not see it based upon circumstances. So you may have to walk out of that room. You may have to 
completely do your life different. You have to want it more than you want this pain. I was afraid of death that who would I be if I stopped competing. Now, I know that if I wouldn't have gone through what I did, that that dark night of the soul, then I wouldn't be able to have what I have now with a family, a wife, and kids. But now being able to have a story in which I can see other people's stories and, and be able to help other people now, that's what, to me, is more important than any title I ever won in the past. Great stuff. Excellent stuff. Great words right there. Kevin Polkies, founder of an organization called Shatter Our Silence. It's shatteroursilence.org. Shatteroursilence.org. There's a big fundraising event coming up in Rockford, Illinois, uh, September the 6th. I'm going to be speaking at that. I'm super excited about that. And uh, they're just doing this amazing work and infusing the arts and all kinds of different um, elements into the Shatter Our Silence organization. So I encourage everyone to head on out to shatteroursilence.org. Listen to this episode. Listen to this podcast. Share it. Let others hear it. Some great words there. from Kevin and uh, Kevin also out on Facebook shatter our silence is on facebook.com slash SOS Rockford facebook.com SOS Rockford go follow and like that page and of course the uh, National Suicide Prevention Hotline one more time for those listening 800-273-8255 Kevin I really really appreciate you coming on the show sharing your experience strength and hope you're doing a ton of great work you're influencing and impacting a ton of people and I'm so glad that you chose to make that decision that you talked about way back in the early 90s to move past the stuff that was plaguing and ailing you to go on to do this because, my friend, recovery is the beginning. It's not the end. And as simple as that sounds, that was a, a major paradigm shift that I had to make. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, for talking with me today. Thank you, Tom. And uh, you're doing a great job. Keep getting the word out. And uh you keep on sharing that message. Thank you so much, Kevin Polkey. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. All right, there he goes. It's Kevin Polkey, everybody. Shatterourcilence.org. Can't say enough good things about Kevin, the person. Shatterourcilence.org, the organization. Check it out. We are going to take a quick break here on Recovery Collective. When we come back, my final thought and the sobriety spotlight shout out. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this. We'll be right back to Recovery Collective with Tom Liu. Get involved in the conversation with questions or comments by calling us toll-free at 866-826-1340. This portion of the show is brought to you by Skincare Keys. Rocking and rolling with the number one skincare brand in North America. To unlock your life-changing skincare, Contact Bobby at SkincareKeys at gmail.com or visit us at SkincareKeys.com to find out how you can get involved in this exploding business. We're back to Recovery Collective with Tom Liu. Get involved in the conversation with questions or comments by calling us toll-free at 866-826-1340. Here's Tom. 
Welcome back to Recovery Collective. I'm Tom Lou, your host. Thank you for joining me. Episode number five. For those on Facebook Live right now, you can see I've got a Recovery Collective t-shirt on. That's right. Swag for the Recovery Collective. There's a new website and a store if you want to help support this effort. And that's what it's really about is supporting the effort to keep this show on the air, to keep me doing this and bringing in the guests that I'm bringing in like Kevin and others that we've had on going forward. Recovery101.com recovery101.com. Jot that down. If you head on out there, there's a store there. You can get some pretty cool t-shirts, all kinds of different things, men, women, you name it, different designs. Pick one of those up. It just helps underwrite the show and keep us on the air, so to speak. And I want to thank my sponsor right now, Sober Evolution, Austin Cooper from Sober Evolution, who was on a previous episode of Recovery Collective, episode number two. You can go back and listen to that. Austin is a great guy. Sober Evolution is an amazing organization. They are a proud sponsor of the Recovery Collective show. I am seeking just two more select sponsors. Any one organization, facility, institution, or is involved in recovery in any way, shape, or form sees what we're doing here. It sees the value in the show of this type. Uh, get a hold of me, Tom at recoverycollective.net. Instagram. If you're out on Instagram, Insta. As the kids call it, I like to say that we are out there on Instagram. It's kind of the one of the main places that the Recovery Collective show sort of lives. And um, it's the place where I do a lot of the posting of the show, snippets from the interviews and the podcasts are on there. So if you're on Instagram, jot this down. It's at recovery underscore collective. Recovery underscore collective. That is the Instagram handle. Head on out there and follow the Recovery Collective page while you're out there. I'm out there too with my page. It's at Tom Liu, T-O-M-L-E-U. Check that out and follow along with what we're doing here. Appreciate that support. I know the internet's crowded, social media is crowded, but if any of this that you're hearing here today, now or if you're listening to this on demand later, a month from now, a year from now, if it's speaking to you, go to the websites, recoverycollective.net, recovery101.com. Send me an email, tom at recoverycollective.net. Uh, head on out to shatteroursilence.org, Kevin's organization regarding suicide awareness and prevention. Any of these resources are there, and they will continue to be there. All right, we wrap up each show. I wrap up each show with what I call the sobriety spotlight shout out. And that is folks from that are listening to the show, whether listening live here in the Clearwater Tampa area or listening on demand via podcast on iTunes or recoverycollective.net, sending me their who, what, when, and why message or their message to those still struggling. And these are just anybody, folks that are in long-term recovery, short-term recovery, what have you. I read these. And uh, here's one this week that I got. Who, his name is Patrick, he's from Sarasota, Florida, sent me an email, tom at recoverycollective.net. Patrick said, what's your AVDC? What are your vices, devices, distractions, or compulsions? And he says, cocaine, booze, weed, you name it, I did it. His sobriety date, November 2017. So Patrick is rocking and rolling here. It's coming up on, what, eight, nine months, something like that, doing well. And here's his message. Uh, This is the key part here. His why message or his message to others still struggling. It doesn't matter. You don't got to have a whole bunch of years. If you've got a day of sobriety and recovery and you're doing well, you are a source of inspiration for someone else. Patrick says, partying was just something I've always done. My family, my friends, it was just a way of life for us. Stuff started getting real bad for me. Work, relationships, and eventually, in his case, he says, the law. At first, it was forced on me, meaning recovery. But today, I realize that me wanting to be sober and to change my life is the only way I'm going to be able to sustain it one day 
at a time. And there you go. That's from Patrick from Sarasota. Patrick, thank you so much for shooting an email over to me and sharing your story. If you'd like to be featured on a sobriety spotlight shout out going forward, send me an email, tom at recoverycollective.net. You can just put your first name. You can leave your name off, whatever. Who are you? What's your vice device or distraction? When's your sobriety date? And then what's your message to those still struggling? We'll read you on the air here in a future episode. All right. I appreciate you listening to Recovery Collective. Big thanks again to Kevin Polkey for from Shatter Our Silence and ShatterOurSilence.org. Please get out there and check that out. If you're in the Northern Illinois area, September 6th at Rockford University, come on out, support the fundraiser. I'll be there speaking, showing some photography. I'm just so thrilled to be a part of that amazing organization, amazing guy. My name is Tom Liu. This is Recovery Collective. Stay tuned in. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia.